0: Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. So in the gospel today, Jesus uses this image of light for everyone who follows him. And those who follow him, the reason they now share in the light is It's a very interesting thing, because if I were to ask you, who's the light of the world, we'd all say Jesus. But in the gospel, he says, you are. You're the light of the world. And this is because Jesus shares his own life with us. That those who receive baptism, but not just receive it, those who actually engage in the reality of baptism given to them through a life of prayer, frequenting sacraments, repenting from sin, trying to forgive their enemies and share the good news. So those who try to live the life of Jesus actually share in his light. They become his light into the world. And he says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Meaning, if you're sharing in his life, if you're earnestly seeking him. If you're living out this great gift of baptism, confirmation, and the life that God the Father is trying to pour into you, she's like, I want you shining it everywhere. I want it like pouring out of you. I want people to see, hear, and know the good deeds you're doing so that they would glorify my Father. So let's slow down a second on this. How do people get to know God and be in awe of Him? They actually have to see you and me doing beautiful things. They actually have to hear what God is doing in your life for them to know God is real, alive, and active. Which means your unique, unrepeatable life is part of God's plan to bring everyone back into relationship with Him. Notice how different this is from the teaching of false humility. False humility, right? No one look at me. Oh, who cares about me? Oh, it's not about me. There was someone recently who, uh, I was with them down in Columbus at a powerful retreat. right? And we were being instructed at this retreat to pray over people. And this individual prayed over someone who said, hey, my knee's always hurting me. For years, I haven't been able to genuflect. And this individual I was with was like, well, they're telling us to pray over each other. Let's just try it. And they're like, all right, Jesus, go into their knee and do things. It wasn't fancy, right? The person genuflected for the first time in 10 years after they were prayed over. And this person was rightfully so. They didn't want to have all the attention as if somehow they were a healer. They didn't want the attention, but I also let them know, if you don't let us know this, we don't get to hear that God's alive and active. They were putting their light under a bushel basket, not because they're evil or bad, but they knew that, well, it's not meant to be about us. And I told them, I said, don't worry, we won't build a shrine to you. (laughs) I think that's what happens. Somehow we get so nervous that, are people going to worship me? No. People know you well enough. <laughs> but see, because they know you in your brokenness, all the more if Jesus pours out of you and shines out of you, are they convinced it's not you. We're the only ones afraid that we think it's us. And so, what the Lord's telling his apostles and then us through the gospel is God's doing things for you and through you that if we don't claim, name, and share, it's wasted grace. It doesn't go anywhere. And we don't share it like hoping someone else believes it, meaning, like, all right, I'm going to share what I think God's doing in my life. And, like, I don't think so. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's not true. I'm sorry. No, someone else doesn't get to do that for you. We share it simply so we can let them know he's alive. So I just want to share a few stories from the conference this past three days. We had a Healing the Whole Person conference. Hopefully you knew about it because I was talking about it nonstop for several months. All right. So if you're like, when's he going to stop talking about it? Clearly not today either. Okay. So I want to share a few things that I had heard. This group came in, and there was three major presenters. Bart Schutz, Bob Schutz, yes, they're brothers, and then Sister Miriam, Heidland. And they shared vulnerably their life story. They shared what Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father has done with wounds and fears and pains and tough relationships in their lives, how they found healing. And they also led us workbooks and prayer experiences to discover where the Lord wants to go in our own hearts and lives and what he might be doing so that we can step into the good news of our baptism and begin to share with the world God's alive. So, what are some things I got to hear and see? So, one of them is, I had a married couple come up to me, actually the husband, and he said, it was after the first night, so we'd only been together for two hours, he said, him and his wife had lunch that day together. And he said, we talked in ways we had not talked in a long time. He said, we shared so deeply and there was tears on both sides. He said, we just knew God had moved something in our hearts and now we could have greater intimacy. Sounds to me like Jesus was healing a marriage bringing them back to what marriage has always been meant to be. Namely, the two become one. There had been places in their marriage, apparently, where there were two separate hearts. Now they had become one. They were tasting that union again, and it was tender, and it was a quiet, not like fireworks, but it was real. How beautiful. Another one I got to be a part of, a married woman, had been, she's, I think, seven months along, And for the last four months, she's had incredible pain on her ribs. And she was laying down in the chapel just out of pain. And someone said, Father Ryan, would you go pray over her? And uh, I don't do that a lot. So I said, sure. So then I grabbed someone from the team, the JP2 team, to go with me. We went over there, and she was a woman that I asked to go with me. And I said, can we pray over her? So she said yes. And this woman who was ministering to her from the team just said, you know, Have you been praying with this at all? Is it just physical pain, or do you think it's connected to something? It's right here in our chapel. And she said, well, I've been thinking about just like my family. And we said, okay, let's pray. And as we were praying, it just struck me, and I shared with her, I said, you know, I remember in in the stories of the scriptures, Adam and Eve, Eve was born of his rib. And I said, so like family are born. Kind of like family, Adam and Eve, and begot, begot. You know, okay. and she goes, she goes. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about my family of origin, where I came from. She said, "That's literally what I've been praying with." We said, "All right." So we kept praying, and we got to this place where she realized she needed to forgive her mom and her dad. Just for putting pressures on her, whether real or perceived, she grew up with these pressures that she was meant to look and act a certain way. And now, pregnant with her first child, she certainly didn't think she looked and acted the way she was supposed to as a young woman. Then she had to forgive God, not because God does anything wrong, but in a real relationship, you got to be honest. She Then we walked her through forgiving God because she thought this pregnancy was a burden, and she so wanted it to be a blessing but she was experiencing it as a burden. And as we started praying with her, you could just see her heart just open up and she starts crying. It's like 15 minutes, okay, we're praying. At the end of it, the woman I was praying with said, "How are you doing?" Well, she didn't really answer us because she just kind of popped right up. She said, "Oh my gosh, all the pain is gone." And she said, "I was under the assumption Jesus just wanted me to carry this pain as a cross." I didn't know he wanted to heal me. And the person ministering to her said, if God asks you to carry a cross, he'll have you do it always with joy. So the pain was gone. She was able to enjoy that night. The next day I saw her, she's still feeling great, high in life, feeling so loved and cherished by God, realizing Jesus is alive, the Holy Spirit's performing healing still. We get to the evening time and she's like, you know, it's back, but not like at level eight. It's like a level two. And so we just prayed again together, and she goes, I just have so much peace and joy about it. She goes, "It's now it's the cross I'm meant to bear. Before there was a deeper healing, now I can carry it. Also, I had a guy come up and share with me that he said his whole life growing up, his mom and dad had such a painful marriage, and they were so much in survival mode that he was always alone, that he always felt unseen, that, sure, he had food, he had clothing, he had home, and he knows parents are working hard to provide those, but the real human needs, because he's not a dog or cat, being fed in a home is an animal, right? He had human needs, too. Emotional and spiritual needs. Like, they went unnoticed. And so he realized that that had turned into several kinds of addictions. Things that involve the Internet. Kids are here. Things that involve the Internet and, things that, and alcohol. And during this conference, he was always so ashamed of his addiction to these things, he didn't want to ever talk about them. But when he started realizing that Jesus sees these things as symptoms, and that underneath it was this great loneliness, for the first time ever, he felt heard and understood. And that God can actually go back in his story and bring healing. And he said he left here with hope for the first time. You didn't know that happened here. You didn't know Jesus was alive and working here at St. Basil's over the last three days until I shared with you. How many family members, how many people on social media, how many coworkers have no idea that you are in love with Jesus so much so that you'll drag your butt out of bed on a Sunday morning to come to Mass? How many of your family, friends, and co-workers know that you believe that God is so alive that you can tell him the worst things you've done in confession and leave feeling freed, forgiven, and loved? How many of your family members, co-workers, social media, and people you encountered, Heinen's, Mark's, Giant Eagle, know that you pray every day, even if it's just a little prayer? Or that you think coming here does something for you? Or maybe even more fully, you believe that Jesus is alive, well, and performing miracles still? And then a lot of people ask, Father, why don't people go to church anymore? Why don't they believe in God? At least one of the answers is, you and me take our light and we put it under a bushel basket. How different would it sound to say you're going to church if by church we meant married couples are healed? Physical wounds are connected to spiritual and emotional wounds and God wants to heal all of it? And people with addictions actually are given new life with hope. What if that's what church meant? It did in the Bible, and it did for almost 2,000 years. So perhaps the challenge from Jesus this week for you and I is two people. Find two people to share with that you believe in God, something he's done for you concretely, or why you come to church. Put it on social media, tell a coworker, family member, neighbor, someone at a grocery store. Get the word out so people's hearts who are longing for love, restoration, and peace finally know where to go. They go to church. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app, Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brecksville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.